Good evening, let's uh, take our Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to take a couple of verses from there. I appreciate uh, all the church does, I guess for a lot of people, uh, but certainly uh, we have been recipients of that. Joe and I were just uh, thinking about some things today, how much this church has been a blessing to us, and uh, I just thank you for that and encourage you to to keep going. As I said this morning, uh, my memories of being here uh, are very good. Uh, many times I've had the privilege to to be here when God has just really worked amongst you all and those who are here. And uh, so when I come back in here, uh, I have recollection of that. And, uh, and that's good. It's good to remember things. It's good to remember God's goodness to us. And uh, you say, well, we need the fresh manna. Well, well, we do, but we ought to be uh, mindful of all that God has already uh, done for us. Uh, so uh, tonight, uh, because of my, uh, I'm going to say my familiarity with you all, that, that is I feel pretty comfortable here and, uh, and kind of look at you as uh, as closest thing I have to home church uh, when I'm in America. And I mean that, I I love this church, I love Brother Fisher and uh, the staff, and it's just, uh, I, I do feel a genuine attachment here. Uh, because of that, tonight, uh, I'm hoping that God would just allow me to, to be a voice that would just stir you a little bit tonight about the things that I believe that God would want you to be thinking about. The things that I just believe God would want you to be thinking about. Uh, I'm going to uh, read some a uh, couple of verses from Ecclesiastes. Uh, did I tell you three? We will be in three. Why don't you just pick up chapter nine? And uh, let me just read a verse from there. And uh, tonight uh, you will. I, I'm hoping this will be. Uh, I'm hoping this will be uh, helpful to you. Uh, but I know it'll be helpful to me. Uh, there's just uh, just some things here that when I think about them, when I focus on these things, uh, it reminds me of why I do what I do. And uh, these verses would summarize uh, how I think about life and uh, my being here on earth. Uh, chapter 9, Ecclesiastes, I want to read verse number 11, and uh, then we will go across to chapter 3, and uh, we'll turn to some other places, but really there, this will not be any deep exegesis tonight. Uh, I'm not sure I would be capable if we were doing that, but I do, I do hope, I do hope you'll hear from God and I do hope that you'll be stirred a little bit to care about the things that matter to him. Verse number 11, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, this is a truth. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. I believe that to be the truth. I I believe that the battle is, is not to the strong. I believe the battle is to the anointed of God. Uh, I, I, I believe that the, the, the race is not necessarily won by the one who can run the fastest, but the one who'll keep on running. And uh, in this, in that, in just those few little verses are great truths that they're worthy to meditate on and uh, to understand life and to understand the things that happen in life. Ecclesiastes chapter three, uh, just uh, from verse number one, and uh, then I'm going to uh, a little bit of number two, and then we'll just take a word, a moment to pray. I think there's value in doing that, just to prepare ourselves. Ecclesiastes chapter number three, verse number one. Think about it as you read it. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. I'm going to stop there and let's just bow for a word of prayer. Would you take a moment as your head is bowed?
to just ask God to uh, speak to you tonight. I want you just in your own words, in your own way, how you would talk to the Lord and just ask him, would he just, would he just communicate with you tonight? Would he just help you? Uh, we certainly want that. Father, uh, our heads are bowed and we, we wait upon you. Uh, Lord, we've opened your word and Lord, we believe with great certainty uh, that we have read your word and we have read the truth tonight. Lord, I pray as I uh, seek to just transfer a little of this thought uh, that you impressed upon me, uh, that it would be helpful tonight. I pray for everybody sitting here. Uh, I pray, Lord, that in the way that they would need to hear from you, would you allow that to happen? I ask you, Lord, to just silence any troubling spirit, uh, any any demon presence, just uh, deal with it, Lord, and suppress it. And Holy Spirit, please come. Please be here. We welcome you. We need you. And we want you to have your way. And we pray very sincerely in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Thai Christians... Uh, obviously come to us from a background of being uh, Buddhist people before they get saved. 96% or thereabouts of people in Thailand, 96% of 70 million people in Thailand are Buddhist. And uh, about 3% or a little over 3% are Muslim, mostly in the, in the south, the region of Thailand that is close to Malaysia, which is a Muslim country. But about 96%, so most of our people come out of a background of Buddhism. And uh, to understand that, you have to understand that it isn't just a religious dogma to them. It, it isn't just that they subscribe to, uh, uh, to any particular book or, or to a teaching, but it, it really has permeated the very way that they live their lives. Uh, a Thai person does not separate their religion from their life. A Thai person doesn't have a compartment where they file away religion and uh, then other places where they just live life. For a Thai, uh, you just you live out uh, your uh, Buddhist beliefs and the country lives it out. And if you're in the Thai military or, or if you work even for an international hotel in Thailand, uh, you, will, you will assemble with your co-workers and... You will pray to the Buddha statue. Uh, uh, no matter where you work in Thailand, you might work for an international bank. Uh, but as you come in, there'll be an altar there and there'll be a statue and you will recognize that and pray to that. And if you didn't do that, you would be in a great deal of trouble in your workplace. It's just expected. Uh, it, it, uh, all the, the soldiers in the Thai army, they, they pray and it's just incorporated into all that they do. They wouldn't recognize, oh, now we're being religious, we're just being Thai. We're just Thai. It's just what we do. Uh, one of our men went there recently, and uh, he said uh, uh, that uh, when they came to pray, he got recruited in the army. When they came to pray uh, to, the, to, the, to the statue, he, well, he didn't pray. And uh, there was uh, several hundred in his particular group there, and uh, they recognized immediately because the officers will stand and watch. And they recognized immediately he didn't pray like that. And uh, so, so without asking anything, they went over to him and they got their boot and they kicked him in the stomach and uh, he fell down amongst it. And then they kicked him again a few more times and uh, they yelled at him to uh, that. Why wasn't, did he have no respect? And uh, some of his friends cried and said, no, he's a Christian. He's a Christian. And uh, when they heard that, they said, oh, 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 and they said, are you a Christian? And uh, he said, yes. And they said, okay, and they walked away. And they don't make you do it if you're a Christian. But I'm just saying it permeates every aspect of life. Buddhism is very fatalistic at its core. So what does that mean? It means that people who believe that just just believe that things are fated and meant to be. And so you don't really even try to make it better because it's just meant to be. I say all that to say that when they get saved... Uh, uh, a process begins of getting that out of them. 
They've got to understand, well, what is a Christian? And they don't have any background. They don't know the script. They just, they just come and it's all new. And sometimes they bring over with them uh, some of their, their thinking. And I picked up recently, and it had occurred quite a few times, I would often hear our people, after they got saved, they would say this, uh, maybe they were discouraged, or, or uh, maybe they just, uh, and our people are young, most of our people are in their 20s, and they would just, would just come out of them, they'd say something like this, well, I'm just, I just want to go to heaven now. And I'd look at them, and I'd think, you've probably been saved six months. And that's, I just, I just want to go to heaven now. And it just kept coming up all the time. And I realized what they were saying was, well, now that I'm saved, well, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Because I have heaven, and I'm not going to go to hell now. And, and I know that's true, and I'm a child of God. So, well, I'm just, I'm just ready to go. And I'm just ready to go. And I began to think about that because it troubled me. I began to think about that, and I realized that they were not thinking about God and what God wanted them to do. They were thinking about themselves. They were thinking, I'm just ready to, to pack up life and go, and go and live up there. And they weren't thinking about God. And so I preached to them a message, and I'm going to give you somewhat of the thought of that tonight. And I preached this message to them, and I titled it this, Why I Don't Want to Go to Heaven Now. Why I don't want to go to heaven now. And, uh, and I want to just give you some thoughts on that. Turn to Matthew chapter 21. Uh, we read the earlier passages there, uh, from Ecclesiastes. And I hope you get a sense of uh, an understanding that you were born unto a purpose. Hope you understand that, that you were born in a time and your times uh, and your purpose were given to you by the Lord. In other words, we've been born into a time that is this time, and God has placed us here now as believers to be his representatives in this time. You say, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you, you weren't birthed in the period of the early church. You weren't there then. What do you mean I wasn't there? God didn't put you there. God didn't, you weren't born into that time. God didn't do that. God did not have a purpose for you in that time. He put others there and they recognized their time and they recognized what they were to do in their day and they were there, but you weren't there. And, and God didn't, God didn't birth you, uh, you know, 200 years ago in that time. You weren't there either. And I'm just saying that you've been born in this time. You've been born in a time that we look around and we would say, it seems like there's somewhat a Laodicean spirit in a lot of places. Would you agree with that? Seems like that that Christian fervency is just not what it seemingly used to be. Uh, But God has born us in this time. And so what the Lord is asking you to do is to be his representative in this time. I'm here for a purpose. I've been born unto a purpose. Uh, my mother and father were, were teenagers, were dating when I was conceived. And that conception was not wanted of them, but it was of God. And I've been born into this time under a purpose. And I believe with all my heart, I have a duty in this life, to live out my purpose unto which I was born. And I believe that God would say, Wayne, you're going to be in a time where a lot of Christians are going to go lukewarm, so don't you do that. You represent me. Wayne, you're going to be living a time where they're going to discard the word of God. They're going to have itching ears. They're going to, they're going to want a different kind of message. But Wayne, I knew that. And I birthed you then, so you represent me. And you stay on the word of God. And I've put you in that time. When there's going to be a time where people are going to think more about themselves than they're going to really think about me. But you're here, and I want you to live out the fact that you do think of me, and I want you to be my representative, 
And by the grace of God, our duty is to live out and be what a Christian should be in our day. To be, to be God's person in our day. To be God's person. Because, because the believers of old, they're gone. They're not here now. We can read about them, we can get encouraged, but they're not here. The only people that God has alive to represent Him now is us and others who bear the name of Christ. And we're here under a purpose. And I, I want you to digest that. I want you to understand that, that, that there's something bigger in your life. That there's something deeper to this whole thing. That God has intent for you. And God has purpose for you. Jesus understood that. Jesus says in John chapter 18, before Pilate, the end of his life, to this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. So, so Jesus was clear about the fact, I've been born unto an end, there's a reason, I, there's a cause that I came, that I should bear witness unto the truth. You and I need to be God's people in this day. We, that's, that's why I don't want to go to heaven yet. Matthew chapter 21. This is a familiar passage. I have three things, three simple things I'll give you tonight. You could probably add to the list, but three things on why I don't want to go to heaven yet, yet. Verse number 28. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise, And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Where of the twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. The number one reason why I don't want to go to heaven yet is I can work his vineyard now. I can work his vineyard now. The father said to the son, Son, go work today in my vineyard. Today, while I am here, I can work his vineyard. Do you understand that only now am I around lost people? Do you understand that when you get to heaven... You can't give a track to anybody. You, you, you might get to heaven and you might get, oh, so burdened. And uh, you might get to heaven and you say, I, I, I don't know what to say when you get to see Jesus. And, and, uh, and faith gives way to sight. And if you're a Christian, that's a guaranteed appointment. And you get to see Jesus and, and you look at him and, and all that happens at that moment and, and, and you look and then your eyes go in there and you look at it. You go, oh, there, there are the nail prints. It's true. It's true. They're there. And then you look and you look further down and you look at his feet and you go, oh, it's true. It's all, it's true. It's all, I can see it. it's all there. And maybe at that moment your heart will just be overwhelmed with love for the Savior. Maybe at that moment when you when your ears hear things that they've never heard and your eyes behold things that they've never seen and it's unfolded to you things that have never entered into the heart of man that God has prepared for his own. And you see Jesus then. Maybe then you'll get all spiritual. Maybe then you'll be deeply moved within your heart and your soul and you'll realize everything he's done for you. And you might think then, well, I want to do everything for you. I I want to, whatever I can do, I want to do for you. But it's too late for you. It's too late. See, you've got to start to think now how you're going to think 
when you're there. You've got to realize now that God has given you a time and as God has given you an opportunity. And I understand the fact that I can't tell anyone about the Lord when I'm in heaven. I can't go to a place where they don't know. I can't talk to someone who's still lost in sin. I can't be his representative. It's an honor to bear the name of Christ. It's an honor to know the truth of God. The world is confused. They're in darkness. They don't know which way they're going. They don't know what's up, what's down, what's right, what's wrong. They they don't know which way. And it's been given unto us the truth of life, who God is, why we're here, how you get saved, what needs to happen with your sin, what will change a person, what will make them different, how families get fixed up. Only now can I do his work and work the vineyard. And that's why I don't want to go to heaven yet. I want to work the vineyard. And you ought to want to work the vineyard. Only now can I say, Lord, I'll go. I'll go. Oh, they said, Brother Shemesh, you you don't leave a work like this. You don't do that. You don't get to this place in your ministry and just just leave like that. You just you just don't do that. And I wish I'd listened. But I went. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad for the Joes. I'm glad for the people who are saved. I'm glad to be able to live my life to work the vineyard. Now, now's our time, brothers and sisters. Now we need to work the vineyard every day, every day. It's a chance. Soon I'm going to be gone. I can't do it anymore. I can't say thank you, Jesus. I can't do it. It's too late. But now, now I can do something. And I really believe that God would just want to wake us up. And God would just want us to understand what we'll all understand when we're there. We'll all understand. And some people will say, oh, God, send me back. Let me go back again. I'll give you everything. No, you can't go back. It's appointed under man once to die. You can't go back. You can't live the rerun. You've got to realize it now. You've got to understand it now. Oh, you say, Brother Shemish, you want to go to heaven? I certainly do. But not yet. Not yet. I want to just use my life now to be able to say thank you. Because I even understand if I give it all now, it, it still won't be much. It still won't be much. I can't pay anything back. But I can live in a way that says thank you. Thank you. Son, today, Go work in my vineyard. The vineyard is the work of God. And God is asking every one of us to work the vineyard. So why are we working the vineyard? Because it's the Father's vineyard. It's the Father's vineyard. Is that, is God asking too much? Today, go to work in the vineyard. Are you doing that? Jesus lived out that truth. Jesus understood that there was a time given unto him and that he had to work the works of God. In John chapter 9, verse 4 and 5, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And he was. And But Jesus recognized, I just have a a time, a time. And while I have that time, I need to work the works of God. I've seen our Thai men go out and bring in the harvest. Every now and then they'll come and say, Pastor, uh, my family have called and I have to go home now for a week or two to bring in the rice. Because, Because now is the time. And the rice grows and and the rice gets to the place where you've got to get it in. And, uh, and so they, this happens to us all the time. And so they, I say, okay, I understand. And they will go home. And sometimes I've gone back with them. And uh, they get to their family uh, rice fields. And, and uh, they say, come, uh, uh, Pastor, we'll show you what we do. And they'll walk out there. And they have like a sickle. It's kind of like that. It's like a knife, a bent knife, a handle. And they go out there and they get into the field. And you can't, you can't work the vineyard 
by looking at it from the road. You've got to get into it. You've got to put yourself in it. And they'll walk down there and they'll get out to the field and go in there and they'll be amongst the rice and they'll grab it and they'll get it in a bundle and then they, they, they have, they're very efficient and they will get it and they'll bundle it up and they begin to, to bring in that harvest. And I've looked at those sickles that they use. I've picked them up. I've held. I've had a go myself. I'm not real good at it, but, but I've looked at those sickles and, and I think about the father's vineyard. And I think about one day, not too far away, someone will come across a sickle lying there on the ground. They'll say, what's that one? And they'll pick it up and they'll say, oh, oh that one was, uh, that was Brother Shemish's. He's gone now. He's gone now. That, that sickle can't work anymore. It's gone. And you're going to lay yours down one day. You won't have a chance to pick it up again. You won't be able to work the vineyard. You won't be able to do what the Father asked you to do. And I'm just saying that we have to get hold of that now. We have to understand this matters to God. That if you want to, if you want to please the Lord, if that, if you, if you would understand your coming appointment, and if you'd live in light of that, then you would realize the need we have to work the vineyard now. One of the reasons why I don't want to go to heaven yet is I can work his vineyard now. The second reason is found in Hebrews chapter 11. And I'll read to you verse number 6, and you'll know this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The second reason why I don't want to go to heaven yet is because now I can live by faith. Do you understand when you get to heaven, faith gives way to sight? Do you realize that, that the ability to live by faith, to exercise faith, is only given unto you now? I think it's a tragic thing to go through life as a Christian and not live by faith. You only can do that now. You understand that God is looking for people who actually believe him. God God is looking for people who are not academic Christians, but they're actually believing Christians. And, uh, And they believe what the word of God says. And only now can you read it, but I can't see it. I, I can't see it, but I can read it. And I can, I can understand. Okay. Okay. You said it was true. Okay, I believe you. I believe you, and and I and I'm I'm going to act on that. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to act on that because Lord, I can't see it, but you said it, and I believe it, and so I'm going to live it out. And only now can you do that. You you not you can't show God in heaven. Oh, I I, I have faith. You can't do that. You can only do it now. I'm just saying it's a limited window where you get to, to demonstrate to God, where God looks, gets to look down and says, Oi, they believe me. Look at that. Look, look at that. Look, they, they've taken hold of that. And by faith, they're doing that. They're doing that. And God is a rewarder, a rewarder of those who believe him. God is a rewarder of those who exercise faith. The Bible said that you can't please God without faith, and I want to please God. I want to please God. Faith receives a reward. And I want reward from God. And so now, if I can take hold of that and live by faith, this is the moment to do that. Two weeks ago, it seems a lot longer than that, two weeks ago I was preaching in New Zealand. New Zealand is a country. I was preaching there on a Sunday and uh, I'd finished doing the, 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 the service. It was two Sundays away from today, two Sundays back. I finished preaching the service. It was evening time. Uh, my wife and I went to the hotel room 
And uh, we, were, we were in the room, we were sort of settled for the night, and I was checking in on Thailand, uh, as I do. They know to sort of get back to me about how the day went if I'm not there. And so Joe called me two weeks ago. And Joe called me, and he said, uh, he said, uh, today, he said, Frank wasn't in our church. Uh, Frank is an African man from Cameroon, Cameroon, Africa, who working in Nakhon Sawan, Thailand, and for about the last two years, Frank was 26, for about the last two years, Frank's been attending our church. And Frank's not Thai, but Frank's in Thailand. Frank loves the Lord. And he uh, added something to the church. And Joe called and Joe said, uh, today Frank wasn't in the service and, and uh, we texted and, and, and uh, we tried to call, but the phone, the phone wasn't answering. We wasn't, we didn't know what happened. And then he said, this afternoon, he said, somebody called us from Frank's work. And they said that last night, uh, Frank had been in a motorcycle accident in Nakansawan. And he'd been knocked down and uh, his car had gone over him and and they took him to a hospital in Nakansawan, honestly one of the worst hospitals in town. And the best, you probably would want to go to Bangkok. Uh, but they took him to this hospital and uh, they admitted Frank in there. And Sunday morning alone, far away from his family, from his home, and not even his Christian brethren there to be with him, Frank died. And it's the first death in our new church in Nakansawan. It's the first time somebody died in our church, Thai believers, a lot of young people. And everybody loved Frank. And we felt so sad, so sad. And Joe told me, I, I begin to shake a little bit. Can't seem to handle some things as well as I used to. In motion, I begin to shake a little bit. My wife was having a shower. We're in the hotel room. I went to the door of the where she was having a shower, and, and I, I pulled the door back, and I said, uh, "Honey." And she she came and she looked at me. I said, "Honey." So Joe called. Frank's dead. And uh, she was particularly close to Frank because Frank was very close to his mother, but his mother was in Cameroon. And so, so my wife would kind of, he'd just talk about his mom and, he'd, and she'd text him. And in fact, the last message on her phone she texted was to Frank. And, and she began to cry and I closed the door and I cried. And I could hear her. I could hear her in the I could hear her howling out loud in the shower, crying about Frank's loss. It was so sad, so sad. Well, I went from New Zealand back to Australia uh, before my trip coming here last week. And I got messages when I was in Australia. Some of our people in Thailand messaging me, they said, Pastor, Frank's mother wants to talk to you. And she said, can you call her in Africa, please? And so they texted through the number for Frank's mother in Cameroon, Africa. And so I, I took the number and, and I called it and I couldn't get through. The phones weren't working and I called it again and I called it again and I couldn't get through. And, uh, and I said, I've tried, I can't get through. And they texted again. They said, she said, they're all waiting, Pastor. The family's all waiting. Please, can you call? I said, I'll try again. And uh, so uh, my wife was there and, and others. I said, honey, I'll make the call. And she said, I'll pray. And so finally the phone connected and it went through and, and uh, a lady answered and she spoke English but with a very strong accent. And, uh, and, and I said, hello, hello. And uh, she said, is this the pastor? Is this the pastor? And the phone cut out. And I called back again. And she picked up again. And I said, uh, yes, ma'am, this is... This is Frank's pastor. She said, Pastor, this is Frank's mother. 
I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I'm so, so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry. She said, Pastor, can you understand me? Pastor, can you, can you understand me? I said, yes, ma'am, I can understand you. She said, thank God, thank God. She's a Pentecostal Christian lady, and I don't know about where she goes to church or anything like that, but that's Frank had told us that. She said, she said, you can hear me, Pastor. I said, yes, ma'am, I can hear you. She said, thank God, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Praise, praise God. Thank God, thank God, Pastor. Pastor, I have something to say to you. Pastor, can you hear me? Can you understand me? Yes, ma'am, I can understand you. Can you understand me? Yes, she said, I can understand you very clear. I said, go ahead, ma'am, just speak. And she said, she said, Pastor, our God, our God, our God is the same. And yesterday, today, hallelujah, uh, 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 praise the Lord, our God. He's the same yesterday, today, uh, and forever. Do you believe that, Pastor? Do you believe that? I said, yes, ma'am, I do believe that. She said, well, Pastor, amen, hallelujah. She said, our Pastor, she said, God is the same. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And she said, Pastor, uh, he raised Lazarus from the dead. I said, yes, ma'am, he did. She said, but, but Pastor, do you believe that? Do you believe that, Pastor? I said, yes, ma'am, I believe that. She said, oh, hallelujah, he's the same, same. She said, and he raised uh, Jairus' daughter. And, uh, and he raised the only son of a widow laid in the briar. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, Pastor, do you, do you, do you believe that? I said, yes, yeah, yes, ma'am, I do. I do believe that. And she said, and she was praising God. She said, well, the thing of it is, Pastor, Frank's not dead. He's just sleeping. Well, our people had gone to the hospital and they had to identify Frank and he was in the, the basement of the hospital there. It had been several days. They had cleaned out his room and she said, uh, the thing of it is, Pastor, Frank's not dead. He's just sleeping. I listened to that and I stopped. I said, ma'am. She said, Pastor, do you have faith to believe that? I said, ma'am, I have faith and I can see that you have faith. And I don't want to do anything to detract from your faith or to pour water on that in any, in any way. And I, and I know that, that what you say is true. If God wants to do that, he can do that with Frank. I said, but ma'am, I have something to say to you if you listen to me. She said, yes, Pastor, yes, Pastor, what is it? I said, ma'am, I'm going to pray that God would make clear to you what his will is regarding Frank. I'm going to ask God to show you. I said, because sister, sometimes some people die and God doesn't raise them. Sometimes God is working to a greater glory than even the glory of raising a Lazarus. I said, ma'am, do you understand that? She said, yes, pastor. I said, I'm going to pray that God would speak to your heart and your family and make clear to you what his will is. And I just say that tonight to say this. She had faith. She had faith. She had wonderful, wonderful faith. And you're looking at somebody who's not going to pour water on that. You're looking at somebody who's not going to say, oh, that's silly. He's been dead for three days and he's already on the slab in the bottom of the hospital and you just need to get over that and accept something. No, 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 no. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in the middle of that. That's between her and God. That, that's a matter between her and the Lord. I'm not going to tell her yay or nay or any such thing. But if a woman's got faith and she's calling out to God, let, let that be settled between her and God. God is able to affirm to her what he'd have to do. But I thank God, I thank God, there's a woman in Cameroon, Africa, who's still believing in faith. Thank, thank God there's someone there who still believes God, who would say those things as if she witnessed them herself. She's that certain. And only now, only now can we have faith. Only now can we, can we trust God, can we, can we live that out. We can't do that. When, when sight gives way, you say, when, when will that happen? Within a microsecond of you departing your earthly tent, you will see. Say, what will I see? Well, I don't exactly know what you'll see in what order. 
I don't know if you'll see an angel there or just take you by the hand. Say, come on. I'll take you to the Father. I don't know if you'll see that. I don't know if you just, if you just suddenly see all of heaven and Jesus. I don't know how it'll unfold, but I do know this. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see as much as the rich man in hell saw. You'll see as much as Abraham in paradise saw. You'll see. You'll see. But now we walk by faith, not by sight. Now God is saying, could you live by faith? Would you believe me? Would you do that? The first reason why I don't want to go to heaven yet is because I can work his vineyard while I'm here. The second reason is that I can live by faith and I can only do that now. And the third and the last reason why I don't want to go to heaven yet is because I can give while I'm here. Oh, you say you're preaching to us about giving. No, I'm preaching to you about me giving. I can give. I can give. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35 and 36, Paul is about to leave a group of believers that he'd formed a bond with and had a certain closeness with. And he taught them and he instructed them. And it's curious the thing that he would, he would give to them as a last reminder. A reminder. In verse 27, he'd say, but I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I've taught you about many things. But in 35 and 36, we read, I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. Paul's, or part of Paul's, Final words to a group of believers. I'd have you, brethren, to remember this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. While I am here, I can give. While I am here, I can, I can give sacrificially. While I'm here, I can say, God, you gave me this. I get to give. Now, now if you don't want to give, you, you don't give. You don't give. But one thing's for sure, when you get to heaven, you can't do that anymore. Oh, you say, I'll cast my crowns down before him. I hope you have some. I really do. But now you can give. Now I can say, Lord, I'm going to give. I'm going to tell you this. Eric Liddell, the, the Scottish runner, they made the movie Chariots of Fire many years ago. Eric Liddell said of, of, his, of his running, there's a curious thing he said. He said, when I run... I feel his pleasure. Well, I don't know about that. I don't do a lot of running. But I can tell you this. When I give, I feel his pleasure. When I, when I get to give, when I can sacrifice, when I can, when I can, it, it feels good to give it all. Is it saying you're telling us to do? No, I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm just saying that, that while I'm here, I can do that. While I'm here, while I'm here, I can give. While I'm here, I can, I can show God that I want to be a giver, that I can distribute, that I can give. I like to do that. I thank God that I live in Thailand where there are a lot of poor people around me. It's not hard to find people to give to. It's not hard to find people who you can help. It's just all around you. It's a blessing. It's good to give. And you have the opportunity to do that now. And that's your decision as much as it's my decision. But I'm just saying I, I live in light of that. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, oh, I... I gave too much. Nobody will say that. Nobody will look at Jesus and say, you know, I think I just oversubscribed to the giving part. Nobody's going to do that. No, 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 no. No, More likely, you know what we'll feel. More, More likely, we'll think, I wish I'd given more. I wish I understood about giving before I understood about giving. I wish I, I wish I was doing it earlier. I wish I understood. But you can do that now. And there's some things that, that brothers and sisters, it's, o- it's only now that we can do that. You can't, you can't do it in heaven. You say, you talk like that's just a reality. It's a reality. You have an appointment. Your name's in a book. You're going to appear. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Bible calls him him with whom we have to do. Meaning you can't skirt around it. You can't bypass it. Got an appointment with the Lord. And now I can work the vineyard.
And now I can have faith. Now I can give. Probably 10 years ago, maybe it was, was, maybe it was longer than that. Uh, I was, I was pastoring in Australia. We had uh, Pastor Saka. He's, I believe he's been here before. Pastor Saka is from Papua New Guinea. He's a wonderful man of God. And, uh, and I do treasure the opportunity to be around him. Pastor Saka had preached for us that Sunday and, and as we would do on occasions, I said to the church, let's take up an offering, uh, and try to help Pastor Saka. And so people gave as, as they do. And I was in the office and I was waiting and the end of the service, the meeting was over. Uh, some of the men came in. They said, Pastor, we have the offering here for Pastor Saka. We've got it all here in cash. I said, okay. Uh, we, we, most people in Australia just give by cash. And so we had it all there. I said, okay. And uh, they said, Pastor, uh, when we counted up the money, uh, there was two rings in there. I said, there was, we'd never have that happen. I said, there was, what was in there? They said, well, there was these, there's these two rings. I said, oh. I said, well, well, what do you think they're worth? They said, well, you know, probably not a lot, to be honest. I said, look, Put in this amount of cash. I nominated an amount far above what I thought that would even be close to the rings being worth. I said, put that in. I said, I'll give him that. The rings, he's not going to want the rings. So I, Pastor Saka came into my office. I was on one side of the desk. He was on the other side. I sat down. I said, Pastor, thank you for being here. We appreciate it. I said, Pastor, here's the offering. I said, I want to take that. The church would like to help you with that. And I slid it across to him. And I said, and by the way, he was looking like this. I said, by the way, there were a couple of rings in there. And I said, I've taken those out and I've put in cash so you have the money there. I thought I was doing good. I slid it across. And he looked at it and he got a kind of serious look on his face. And then he went. And he looked at me. He said, where are the rings? I said, well, Pastor, he said, why did you take the rings? And I said, well, well, Pastor, I thought you'd, the cash would be better. He said, he said, give me the rings. I could tell he was upset. He said, give me the rings. So I, I found the rings and I said, well, Pastor, they're here. You're welcome to have the rings, the money, everything. Take my coat. It's not so bad. I mean, I was just, you know, you can have my car, the church. And so I said, Pastor, you can just have the rings. And so I slid him across. And I'll never forget, he picked them up and he looked at them. And I just didn't know what to feel. And he held it up. He said, Pastor. I said, yes. He said, these are worth more than even all this. And I said, yes, Pastor. And I felt like God had just rebuked me and just said, you were well-intended, but but you, you didn't need to do that. And I, and I, I thought I'd learned that lesson. I thought I'd got it four months ago. Years have gone by, more than a decade. I'm in Nakansawan, Thailand. There was nothing, and now there's a little Baptist church. Uh, we'd received an offering. The men came up to me in the office. They said, Pastor, we have the offering. I said, okay. They said, and there's a ring in there. Now, you think by now I've gotten this. But this was more than a decade before. And I said, there's a ring in there. And, uh, and I said, give me a look at it. And they gave it to me, and it was this, this gold ring. I mean, it was solid gold, but it was a sort of thing that Thai people will save up a long time for, and it's like their insurance. If they get sick or someone in their family gets sick, they will, they will get that in the shop. And it was probably worth 100 or $120 or thereabouts. And, but I realized the sacrifice of that. And I said, who do you think put it in? They said, Pastor, we know. I said, who was it? They said it was Namwan. Namwan is a new Christian girl who'd probably been saved two months by that time. And she'd taken off her finger That's that she would have worked for for years. The little family insurance. She'd taken off her ring and she'd put it in the offering to give to the Lord. I said, give me the ring. I said, put some money in here. That's fine. I'll keep it here. I had intent to just keep it there. I'll give it back to her. I waited a while. 
probably six weeks or so. And then uh, one Sunday morning, I said, Joe, is number one here? And uh, he said, she's here. I said, can you, can you get her to come up and you come in also? And uh, so she came up and I said, hello, number one. And we greeted and spoke a little Thai. She sat down. I said, uh, number one, I said, there's a story in the Bible about where somebody, God asked someone to offer up his son. And uh, he took him to a mountain. And, and just before he was about to offer him up, God intervened. And, uh, and his son was given back to him. And I said, you may not know that story. She's just a new Christian. She said, oh, okay, pastor. She's probably thinking, why are you telling me that? And so then I took the gold ring. I said, "Num one. I said, I know you gave this to the Lord. I said, but I'm going to give it back to you. Oh, she cried and I gave it to her and, and said, okay. And she went out. I sat in my chair. I was feeling sweet for a moment. And then I just heard God say, you did it again. <laughs> just exactly like it came. You did it again. And suddenly at that moment, I just, you did it again. It flooded back to me. Pastor Saka, the rings. It just, it's like God joined it all together and said, you did it again. And here was the lesson what God was saying to me. Wayne, stop getting in between me and somebody else's giving. You, you're well-intended. You're well-intended. You love them. You love them. But you love them so much you want to rescue them from giving. You, you love them so much you want, to, you want to get in the middle of that and say, oh, what a sacrifice. Look, let me give it back to you. Let me rescue you. And that's honestly what I was doing. It was well, it was well intended. I, I knew what the girl had done and I, and I knew that what it represented and I, and I knew how long it would have taken to get that. And, and I, my heart was well intended to, to, to help her. But I believe God was saying to me, what you're getting in between something you ought to not get in between. She's giving to me and you're trying to rescue her. Get out of that. Just, just, just stop doing that because I saved them. And I know them, and she's going to walk with me, and I'm allowing her to do something that will be under eternal reward, and you keep wanting to rescue people. Just just step out of it. And I really, I, by the grace of God, I think I've got it. But if you want to test me, you know what to do. And so I just had to understand that, that God has his people to be a giving people, that God teaches them from very early on in the faith, this is, this is, this is a God thing to do. Giving is God-likeness. God so loved the world, He gave. God is a giver. And I want to finish tonight, but I, 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 I want to encourage you to be mindful that you've been born under a time and you've been born under a purpose. And the day will come and it has come already for some who sat in these very same pews who are not here to hear this and cannot appropriate it and cannot do anything about it. It is finished. But we're here. And if we could live today with, with, with heaven in view, that I'm going to see Jesus and there's just some things I can do now that I won't be able to do then, so I want to use my times in that way. Let's have a word of prayer together. Uh, thank you for your attentiveness and, and uh, your listening.